Hey y'all, it's Alicia and welcome back to the Eat Me podcast. It is amazing that I have recorded over a hundred plus episodes on this podcast. And so what I want to do is bring some of those old episodes back and have you take a listen. So I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and stay tuned for more new episodes coming up with the Eat Me podcast. Take a listen and I'll see y'all next week. Bye. Christian and welcome to the Eating Me podcast. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of the Eating Me podcast. This is Alicia and I'm so glad you are here uh, this week for this amazing conversation that I had with a really good friend of mine, Elizabeth Powell. She and I first met, oh my gosh, in the 90s, late 90s, Um, at Oakwood College, now Oakwood University in Huntsville, Alabama. And then we um, reconnected here in New York City. She came to New York and I moved uh, to, I was living in New York when she actually moved here. Uh, She was going to school for dentistry at the time. And then she had moved, actually, I think she moved to uh, upstate New York. I think she said she went back to DC. And then now she is now uh, living in uh, Boston, Massachusetts, and practicing dentistry. Um, today's conversation, initially, I was like, oh, let's talk about some things about, you know, giving parents tips on how to manage um, dental health during times where their kids are eating a lot of candy. So, you know, happy Halloween to those that are celebrating Halloween today. So we talk a bit about that. And we also talk about some dental health for adults as well. Um, and a few other things uh, are mixed in this conversation too. So I'm excited for you guys to hear from Elizabeth and I'm going to share just a little bit of info about Elizabeth before we get started. So Dr. Elizabeth Powell currently serves as the clinical director of dentistry at a community health center in Boston, Massachusetts. She has over 10 years of experience working in community, community-based oral health programs treating underserved populations in both rural and urban settings. Dr. Powell received her Doctor of Dental Surgery degree from New York University College of Dentistry and completed a general practice residency at Bronx Lebanon Hospital Center in New York. She also holds a Master's in Public Health from the George Washington University. She recently completed a dual residency in dental public health and pediatric dentistry at Boston University. Dr. Powell's commitment to public health dentistry led her to the Boston area where she hopes to continue to be an integral part of the movement to increase access to dental care and improve oral health outcomes. Her interests include teaching dental residents and student externs and partnership development that promotes oral health integration. I was so happy to reconnect with Liz and I hope you all enjoyed this conversation. I had a great time catching up. So without further ado, please welcome my friend, Elizabeth Powell. Hi everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Eating Me podcast. I have to just say, that let me bring this mic a little bit closer. Hopefully, you can. I'm pretty sure people can hear me. Let's be serious. Um, I I've been sitting here talking to one of my really good friends that we haven't talked in. I don't even know when the last Ages. time we talked. Ages, right? <laughs> Elizabeth Powell. You'll hear me calling her Liz because that's what and you know that's what it is. Like call me leash. It's all good. <laughs> but I am so excited to have you on that podcast today. Initially, I was saying I wanted to talk about dental health, but we have literally sat here and talked because we haven't talked forever. You're right. Uh, about everything. Um, she is, go ahead, just take it away, Liz. Let the, let the people know who you are, how amazing you are. Oh, yeah. well, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Such a pleasure to be um, on your podcast. Thank you for the invitation. Um, I never take it lightly when I'm invited to do anything because that's always exciting, right? Yeah. Um, so like Alicia said, you know, I'm a, I'm a dentist. I've been practicing for the last, 15 or so years. I currently lead uh, a dental practice um, in Boston um, in a community-based health center. Um, So dental public health is is my first love. 
uh, community health. Um, and um, I recently finished um, residency for pediatric dentistry. So I'm, I'm also a pediatric dentist. Um, after years of, of serving adults, um, I decided that, you know, I really wanted to make a difference with children. Um, because as Whitney said, they're the future. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. No, it, no, it's crazy because like working with kids, there's just mm -hmm. nothing like it. Like I can't even just, like, I love working in pediatrics. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously we're on two different spectrums of the, yeah. like, in the medical field, but it's still like kids, they say, and I hate to say, it, but they do, they say the craziest stuff. Yes. And they just keep you on your toes. Like yes. you're constantly yeah. trying, you're like, oh, okay, I guess we're doing that right now or right. whatever. You know, you try, right. you're constantly trying to find different ways to like provide care. So they're, they're feeling welcomed and okay. Mm -hmm. And so it, yeah. yeah, you never have like a, a cookie cutter moment with them. At least I don't, I don't think so. No, no. And it's like you said, it's, I, like, I, I love it because children are, first of all, they're, they're honest. Right. Yes. <laughs> right. Right. You're honest, and um, certainly, as you can imagine, a dental office unpredictable. Right. Um, but in most scenarios, I find that most children are just agreeable and excited mm -hmm. um, to be there, and um, you know, it's an opportunity to kind of get them acclimated. So they're not, you know, you kind of take the fear out of the situation. Right. Um, and I and I always tell parents, the younger you bring them, the better. Because if we start making those those really good memories at the dentist, yes. um, and we start forging good habits when they when we're young, then they, they will have a good they will have they will continue to have good experiences when they come to the dentist, and they will value their oral health. You know. Yeah, no, it's it's so true. I mean, my mom, we went to the dentist. I don't know when I started, but I was very young. But I remember the dentist that I went to. Mm -hmm. I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't kind to kids. Let's just be, I mean, it was also oh, the 80s. No. Like, it was the 80s. I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, God bless this man, but he didn't wear gloves. Oh, no. And so there, there, I bring this up because I can still, you know that you have like sense memory. I mm -hmm. I can feel his rough fingers, fingers on yeah. my little gums. I can yeah. still feel that. Yeah. And just the abrasive experience all around. Mm -hmm. And at the end of it, I'd get my little. He's like, "Okay, now go to the treasure chest." And, <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm "Meanwhile, you have PTSD." <laughs> Literally, I see the treasure chest. I'm like, "No bad things are happening." Like, <laughs> Seriously. And so, uh, like throughout my whole life, when I would go to the dentist, it was always a thing. Like, oh my god, please! Like, I, I can't yeah. because I just, I, I just remember it being so like, like just detrimental. You know, yeah. You know, yeah. Well, you're, you're not the only one who's had experiences like that. I mean, for all, you know, the many years that I, that I was treating adults, I mean, I, I heard the same story. Like right. I, I went to the dentist as a kid. It was a difficult experience and now I'm traumatized and it's hard for me to come. And this right. is why I haven't kept up with my dental health, you know? Um, <clears throat> and so, you know, really what I try to tell parents, I mean, the recommendations are, is that you bring your child to the dentist once you see that first tooth erupt. Yeah. So for some kids, that's anywhere from six months to, a, you know, a year old. Right. But I mean, you know, at this point in my career, even before going into pediatric dentistry, I still was treating some children. And there's some kids that I started treating five years ago. And now mm. they're five years old. Right. right. Call them as babies. And they come in and they're high fiving me. And I mean, it's like a pleasant experience. You right. Know? They genuinely are, you know, um, engaged. And, and that's the hope, you know. And, in, and then you have the opposite spectrum, right? Right. You have parents who may not, you know, have the resources or just life has gotten in the way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, their kids come and they're kind of in a detrimental situation and you have right. to try to help course correct. And, you know, the good thing is that we have tools to help with that. You know, a right. lot of behavior management things that we do. Um, you know, with children, it's like tell, show, do. And I, I find that to be the best thing. It's like, if you are honest, but tell them, you don't surprise them. Mm -hmm. um, you engage them, you let them kind of test things out because dentistry is very sensory related. Yes, A lot of little things kind of coming at you. Um, so I, I have found that that has been useful. And then obviously for some kids, you're going to have to take it to the next step, whether it's the laughing gas or Right. Or, you know, just um, general anesthesia or some other form of sedation. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's been the thing. 
it's so crazy because <clears throat> and even now as an adult i don't know have you if you experienced this like i'm a kind of person like when it comes to like anesthesia mm-hmm. i have to have like a, like an excess amount of it mm-hmm. um what is that about? Because even as a kid, like I mm-hmm. had to ha- have like so much anesthesia. Someone was saying to me, I don't know if you know anything about this. They're like, oh, if you have um, people in your family that have red hair, mm-hmm. you know anything about this? Like if you have like red hair or, or if that's in your gene pool, something about like that being in your genes that you would need more anesthesia. What is that true? So I have heard and I have not read it myself, but I heard I had heard a colleague talk about um, a patient that they were seeing who was redheaded, who had mm. severe anxiety, and it was very mm. difficult to get that that patient numb. And they had said that they had kind of apparently there might be some literature out on it, yeah, um, out there, um, and and it just kind of has something to do with you know the DNA how they're put together, right? Um, and that, you know, it might be more difficult to get them numb. But what I say to most patients who come in the office and say, hey, historically, I need more than than the average person in order right. to get numb. What I usually try to do is I start with what I, the standard is, you know, right. for an adult or for a child and then give it time. I think what happens is in dental offices sometimes, especially because it's a very busy practice, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, we got to hurry up. We got to keep things moving. We got to keep the patient flow. Right. But what we need to do is, you know, I usually, you know, tell a patient to come in a little earlier. We'll get them numb. We'll let them sit, let them relax. Right. Um, and then we'll go through all the steps to determine if, if, we've, if we've reached the level of anesthesia that we need to reach. Right. Um, and funny enough, I am the same way. Really? So I recently had maybe about, maybe it's at this point, probably a year ago, um, I had a filling that needed to be replaced and I went into my dentist and I just told him, I said, I hope you have time. (laughs) 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 Um, (laughs) I'm going to need you to go ahead. And at this point I know what I need. So I just told him, but I was like, you know, go do what you got to do. See some other patients and I'll just sit here. Right. Um, And that was like, you know, if I'm allowed to sit a good 15, 20 minutes, mm-hmm. let that anesthesia really do its thing, then I'm golden. Okay. But, you know, this whole just, you know, shoot them up and get let's get started, that, that has never been a scenario that works for okay. me. And it's never been something that I've practiced with my, my patients. I mean, usually the way dental schedule works, you know, it's kind of staggered. Uh-huh. So if I'm doing what we call operative or restorative work or anything where I have to get a patient numb, I numb them up and I say, okay, you're good. I'll be back in a few. Right. Um, and that usually does the trick. Okay. That usually does the trick. But there are, like what you're referencing, there are some very real situations for different people who, for whatever reason, they just don't get full anesthesia. It is literally the worst. And then, of course, like any type of like, out of the ordinary uh, situation that would happen, I was that person when it came to dentistry work. So my wisdom teeth, obviously mm-hmm. they were growing in, like like going forward, like they weren't coming down. Okay. So because of that, and all four of them were growing in that way. Okay. So they had to go into my gums because they, they wouldn't erupt. Uh, so you had to- So I was crowding. Okay, okay. A lot of crowding was happening. And so this is my senior year of high school, whatever. Mm-hmm. They had to actually go in and remove all four of them. Um, And I was like, and I guess because I had asthma, they said, mm-hmm. uh, I couldn't get the laughing gas. So they were just mm-hmm. attempting to like give me all this. In. It was disaster. Oh my goodness. It was, but and then not to mention my mother, I mean, God rest her soul. But she... <laughs> Decided to go to the grocery store uh-huh. right after I had all this done. And, you know, it was like, oh, come in because I need to watch you. Girl, I was looking a mess. Grueling. <laughs> because, you know, after you have anesthesia, you can't keep it together. No, you can't. <laughs> and then, you know, I'm, I'm from Evansville. Everybody knows my mom. You know, <laughs> he's talking to everybody in the store. People are looking at me like, what? <laughs> what happened to you? <laughs> like, and you know how people are, too. Like, girl. Right, right, right. <laughs> What's going on? And I was like, oh, I'm trying to. And like, she, had her, she had these teeth removed, girl. She's fine. And I'm like, oh, I'm not. I'm not fine. I'm like, Let's oh just keep it real. Right? But yeah, like I. But that day, 
my mouth was so numb because I needed so much of the mm-hmm. anesthesia mm-hmm. and it took forever to wear and off. And like you were saying, like, I don't know. My dentist now does that where she'll mm-hmm. give me like 15 minutes or so. Mm-hmm. She'll give, you know, numb me and she'll go off and do whatever. She's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And then come back. But before I would just get the anesthesia and they would try to start working. I'm like, listen, friend. And I guess that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. No, we got it. We got to, you know, we have great tools in dentistry. Mm-hmm. And let's face it, I mean, there are not pe- many people that love coming to the dentist. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I I want my patients to have a good experience. You right. know, I don't want them to leave worse than what they came in. Right. So, I mean, just take a little time. Right. Oh, like I said, now my dentist, she, I mean, she is amazing. Thank God. But other dentists that I had gone to in the past... Girl, I would walk in there. I was like, Lord, this is about to be because I was the queen of cavities. And that's another thing I want to talk about because mm. I listen, if there was a cavity to be had, I had <laughs> like, I'm serious. Dentists loved me because they were like, Oh, we got to get paid today. I bet she's got about five today. Like, <laughs> but that's what I want to talk about. Like when it comes to eating and, mm-hmm. and your actual dental health, how big is it? Like in terms of like, because I know people who eat the same amount of candy, cookies, mm-hmm. cakes that I eat, mm-hmm. and they don't have the candy. They don't have the cavities like I yeah. do. What, is it like just how your teeth are, um, how your I guess like your genes, or is it something, is, is it really me not doing that proper dental health? Well, I think it's two things, right? Like, you know, there's some people, and I know what you're talking about. I have a cousin who lived on candy, lived right. on candy, and just never when we were growing up seemed to have any cavities, you know? Right. Me, I would have, you know, something every once in a while and I'd go to the dentist for my checkup and they'd be like, oh, you got, you know, you have, you, have a, you need a filling. I'm like, what? Not even out there like that. You know, my mom was hard pressed to even buy sugary cereal. I don't know if your mom was like that. My mom was Girl, like, Frosted Flakes? What? No, not in this house. Corn so, Flakes and uh, Rice Krispie Treats. I mean, Rice Krispies, I should say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah, yeah, no. So I do think that some people might have some sort of uh, genetic predisposition that right. can be it. But you know, I, you know, I'd have to look into the literature to say if to see if that's truly it. That's not something that I've really focused on. Right. What I've really kind of and what they teach you in dental school is you know to really you know talk to patients about their own individual behaviors. Right. Right. So, you know, if you, for whatever reason, are cavity prone, let's look at your diet. Let's Mm. look at your brushing and flossing habits and let's see how we can course correct. And I know for me growing up, I wouldn't say that I was big on flossing. I just wasn't. Right. Um, We had floss. Right. (laughs) I remember like we had it. Right. I just don't remember it being like something that I did consistently. Um, and I would say in my teenage years, that's when I had, you know, started having some issues. Um, and so I, I think what happens over time, like if you have a diet that's just high in carbohydrates, cause we know carbohydrates yeah. break down the sugar. Right. So even if you're not really big on sweets, it doesn't matter if you like potato chips, if you like, you know, crackers, all that stuff, when you, right. break it, when you break it down, it breaks down to sugar. And if it sits on your teeth you know, it kind of turns into this acid-like situation and it kind of just kind of starts to eat away at your tooth enamel. Um, And, you know, eventually you you end up, you know, with a cavity, especially if you're not brushing regularly. So the big thing is, you know, brushing twice a day. And And especially before you go to bed. I I think that that's a big thing too. I think, think people really realize that um, after you've eaten throughout the day, even if you brush before you go to bed and you haven't gotten that food out from in between your teeth, mm-hmm. um, as you sleep, your mouth becomes really kind of warm and it's just like a breeding ground for the bacteria and they right. just having a party, you know, right. and that's, and if that's the behavior over years and years and years, you can kind of imagine how that's, that's hard on your teeth. Right. Um, and so I think flossing is huge for some of us. And I don't know, like there's some people who will never have a cavity in their life and their diet is bonkers, but they come in and they have gum disease, you know? Well, okay. And I have a lot of patients who, you know, have never had a problem with decay, but they have issues with their gums. Um, and we do know that there is a genetic predisposition for, for, for things like that. Um, 
and then of course, you know, our patients who might have diabetes, you know, yeah. um, those glucose levels are kind of off the scale. Your hemoglobin A1C is not right. You know, it's right. too high. That just breaks down the tissues. Mm. Um, and you can have some issues um, there. And it's really important in those scenarios to make sure that you have a relationship with a dentist so they can help you manage that. Right. Um, because you're going to need some aggressive cleanings and things of that nature. Um, but again, the take home message is again, you know, um, brushing twice a day, you know, and flossing right. at least once a day. Um, it would be good if you could floss twice. Um, and just having those good habits, making sure you're, you're, you see your dentist, it's recommended that you see them twice a year. If you're stable, you know, right. you don't really need a lot of an intervention. Um, but I encourage individuals who are afraid of the dentist to, you know, go in and be very honest with your dental provider about that. Right. right. Um, because I think people are so afraid and then they finally get up the nerve to go and then they don't say what their history has been. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think it's important to say, Hey doc, you know, <laughs> it was something getting, getting here today, Right. <laughs> you know, but now that I'm here, I want you to know that I've had a difficult time. Can you take your time with me, explain some things. Um, and, and a good dentist will hear you and, and make sure um, that you get what you need. You know. I think I'm glad that you said that in terms of like people's medical history, because I think some people don't see the correlation between dentistry mm -hmm. and just their overall like physical health. Right. And I think it's completely different. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember when I worked in the hospital, the, I, we had a patient who um, had some really bad dental um, concerns and he just kept blowing it off and blowing it off and mm -hmm. eventually it led him into uh led us led him to our unit on the icu he had um was it endocarditis i think oh because of whatever the infection was in his tooth he just he just kept blowing it off kept blowing yeah. it off and of course uh that actually led to him having that actual issue and so for people who like like you, do you have that issue? Like with certain people, I don't know about on the pediatric and maybe with pediatrics too, mm -hmm. but like where people don't actually realize that them yeah. telling you their medical history is important. So you can all have like a full like scope of what's going on and how you could provide care for them. Yeah. And I think, um, it's, you really have to, um, you have to do your fact finding. Um, right. and it's really important to take a really good medical history, especially, you know, I mean, with, with, with any patient population that you're treating. Right. right. Um, and the truth of the matter is, and you work in certain scenarios, some patients are really poor historians. You know, they're yeah. not really great about saying to you, hey, I actually, I am a diabetic or yeah. I do have a heart issue or right. I did just have a hip replacement, you know? Right. And they don't realize that these things are correlated to their dental health or them um, getting dental care. Right. Um, there's, there's certain things that kind of have to be, you know, kind of in place. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think what, you know, what I try to do, um, and I think most dental providers try to do is to, you know, take that, take a good medical history, talk to the patient, yeah. explain because you're a diabetic, these are the concerns that you should have about your oral health, you mm -hmm. know, is that if your glucose is not, you know, controlled, then you're going to have periodontitis or periodontitis or gum disease, you know? Right. Um, and if you're noticing that your teeth seem loose, then, you know, you have some bone loss and that's also tied into, to, um, you know, you know, being, you know, a, a diabetic. Right. Um, so to answer your question, yes. I mean, I think, um, you have patients who are, you have, it's funny, you have their, their patients at the opposite end of the, the spectrum who have a very high dental IQ and they understand how their, their medical conditions can affect their oral health. And then you have some, some who don't know at all. Right. And it's important to take the time to explain. I, I recently had a patient, patient's mother come in. She wanted her daughter. Her daughter has a ton of work that needs to be done. Needless to say, she, she has an extraction that needs that she has a baby tooth that needs to come out because it's so, you know, infected. Um, and when we asked about her medical history, she was just like, yeah, she's healthy. You know, we can do it today. And then, you know, luckily, you know, I work in a, you know, a community health center. And so many of the patients of the dental department are also patients on the medical side. Right. And I always do my due diligence and I <laughs> went into the chart and I see that this, this child has a, a history of heart issues. 
Um, and she hasn't seen a cardiologist in over a year. Oh, wow. And so that's where I have to say, okay, pump the brakes. Um, <laughs> let's get you cleared by your you know, physician. Let's get, let's have a conversation with the cardiologist and, and in the meantime, we'll put you on an antibiotic. We'll manage the pain. We'll manage right. the infection. And then you can come back to us and we can do this in a way that's safe for your daughter. Right. Um, but, you know, that's why you have to be extremely kind of careful and have your radar up as a right. provider to make sure that you are, you know, um, doing your due diligence for your patients. Right. And you you and I know, like, when that schedule is popping and you're like, <laughs> you oh, go. I just want to. But yes. you cannot give into that, right? You right. Have, you have to do your due diligence and yes. you know make sure that you know the the patients are you know being um, that you're just caring for them in the appropriate way. Exactly. You know. No, that, and that's how you were saying. Like, so like I remember when I was in the clinics working, and I would see those. I would have thirty patients on my listen, and I was just like, my schedule. I would look at that. I was like, Lord. <laughs> Me and you right now, right? right now, I'm, I'm gonna take my time, but like you said, because you want to make sure that they're not leaving, mm -hmm. feeling like, okay, I don't even know what just happened, like, <laughs> right? Right, right, right. But you get, and then even, even on, because I always think of it as me, like, if I was sitting there, mm -hmm. I want to know that I feel like I have at least a grasp on what I'm doing going forward. I want to make sure right. I have, like, these, you know, my discharge plan is this, yes. Um, and I, and I'm clear if I, I, and I also feel like I can approach that person. I can reach back out if I do have questions. That's another thing too. Yes. I feel like people, they're like, okay, not only do I not know what's going on, I, I don't think I can, I, I, are they approachable? Like, so, you know, making sure all that's mm -hmm. a part of the process because, oh my gosh, because some yeah. days it was just like, Lord, I, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm trying. I yeah. am trying. <laughs> and, and I mean, and if I can, I don't, you know, I don't know who, who's going to see this, but I've get, you know, speak to just providers out there for a second, like just, and you know, I'm in a situation where, you know, I'm, you know, I'm also an attending, my organization has a relationship with um, some of the universities in the area. And so we have, you know, residents at my site. Yeah. Um, and so one of the things that I'm teaching the residents is, listen, you might, you might have to, in some scenarios, kind of pump the brakes. Mm -hmm. and say, you know, especially say if you're, you're doing a new patient exam and there's information that you're missing, um, before you finalize that treatment plan, you say to the patient, listen, this is what I'm thinking that this is what it's going to be, right. right? But I need to connect with your medical provider. And once I do that, then I will, I will circle back to you or, you know, right. someone from our office will call you and then we will proceed. And then you make sure that that's documented well in the patient's note. Right. Um, because the idea is just to provide, you know, just comprehensive care. Yeah. You know, like we can't get caught up in, oh, my schedule's crazy. The schedule might be crazy, but you can still be a good provider. Exactly. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yep. No. Um, me. <laughs> so that's my pet peeve. That was just my, me on my soapbox. No, no, no. I think that it's, that's so important because it's like you get caught up in yourself and like, oh my God, how am I going to get through this? But it's like, how are these people going to be able to walk right. out of here Feeling like their health is their health matters. It's right? been prioritized, right? And yes, right? exactly, exactly. It's so true. Yeah. Oh my gosh. No, I wanted to shift because, like, the whole point of me reaching out to you, I'm so goofy. Was I was like, oh, we got we could talk about Halloween, <laughs> I know. whatever, whatever. But you know, as I was thinking about, it, I was like, I, th another conversation that would be really cool about uh, about this whole Halloween thing is, did you celebrate Halloween when you were a kid? No. Okay, so let me tell you. Okay. <laughs> right. Okay, so, so for those of you who are watching, you know, I um I grew up, you know, in a in a Seventh Day Adventist household, um, oh. and you know, like many Christian religions, you know, how Halloween is is not celebrated personally. Right. Right. Um, and you know, one of the things I remember is is that when kids would come to our door to get candy. My parents would give them fruit, <laughs> give them fruit. And, and like one of those, like, um, when I was a kid, uh, in our, like, what would be equivalent to Sunday school classes, like our Sabbath school class, we had like a right. little friend. They would yeah. like, a little friend. she was not handing out little friends. I'm dead. Little friends along with, along with the fruit. Um, so no, <laughs> we were not right. 
No, and the reason why, because I, I, I knew, I was like, so, and we were talking earlier before I hit record, and I was just explaining to Liz, like, my mom, she became a Seventh-day Adventist after she was an adult. Mm-hmm. So, Seventh-day Adventism, I mean, I grew up in it, but I was, you know, it kind of wavered with my mother. We went to church whenever <laughs> church was happening, right? right? So if we went on Sabbath, we went mm-hmm. on Sunday. Whoever was having some type of program, my mom had us there, right? Mm-hmm. So all that to say, like, we were just all over the place. So to be, like, really strict, like, Adventist, I, mm-hmm. I no. I'm not even gonna yeah, lie, we weren't. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. we did celebrate Halloween, but my mom, it also it depended on the year. And mm-hmm. I kid you not. Some <laughs> years we could, you know, dress into a costume, but it, mm-hmm. ha- it couldn't be anything that she could consider demonic. Okay. Right. Okay. She preferred we dress up as a Bible character. You know. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> Kid you not, kid you not, gee, Lord, if you dressed up as some type of Bible character, that, that, <laughs> that would, you know, for her, she felt like, okay, Listen, you, know, you can yeah. go with you and me. Yeah. You're, going, you're going as Mary, have your way. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and it's, it's so interesting to just like hear like so many people that I did grow up with in the church, how they, they, they could not go and celebrate. Right. But I also think, I will say this, I do think, at least when I was kind of growing up and I, you know, I just told you, you know, I went to, you know, uh, Christian Adventist Academy all through. Right. Um, and I remember um, them trying to come up with substitutes for Halloween. It wasn't yes. just like, you can't do this, but we'll do this instead. So we would have right. like fall festival. Yes. You know what I mean? And, yeah. you know, it'd be games and fun. And so there would still be candy girl. Right. <laughs> that candy would still show up. Right. It would still show up. But um, you know, we just found different ways to right. know, make it work. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I was just like, oh, you know, in terms of like I remember when I worked at a school and we had a few dentists and they would come and they would do different like um conversations with the kids before mm-hmm. Halloween, talking about mm-hmm. how to brush their teeth, and they would hand out toothbrushes do you guys do anything like that we do we we have we have relationships with um three schools that are in the vicinity of of the health center where i work and Uh i mean we often go in and do demonstrations we'll line the the kids up and we'll have like a piece of yarn and be like okay let's floss (laughs) floss in between the kids (laughs) right you know try to make it engaging we do that right you know what i try to tell parents though around halloween is that water is your best friend. Okay. Right? So, you know, one of our tips is, you know, you're not going to be with your kid all day, but if you can get them hydrated, <laughs> then is, if they're drinking that water, then it's at least kind of washing some of the sugar off the sugar off it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, we have to be realistic. It's not going to be like, oh, no, you can't have any cat candy. Right. right? But, um, you know, and then we also encourage, you know, some of those candies, though, are tough. They're tough, like Skittles and now laters, yeah, all that stuff that's really super sticky. Um, we ask parents to try to minimize that kind of stuff and lean into the chocolate. Chocolate's right. a little bit better. Chocolate just kind of has a, the ability to kind of wash away a little easier. Really? Oh, that's my. So those are the kinds of things that we we, we tell. Okay, well, that is cool. But I think you know it's crazy too. I was thinking as you were talking about the sticky candies. I remember as a kid, I was eating a sugar daddy. You know what a sugar daddy? Yes, is? yes. <laughs> So caramel, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so for those who don't know, it's basically like a really chewy, like caramel candy. base. Caramel yes. type of candy. Yeah. I yeah. loved sugar daddies. And yeah. so eating I, I was eating one one day at school and it actually uh, removed one of my uh fillings. Oh my goodness. And now do and it, it was a silver filling. Mm-hmm. It was like going all over the place with this whole conversation. But like, <laughs> I mean it is what it is. Yeah, it is. But, yeah. But I was wondering, silver fillings are out, and why are they out now in terms of like using that in dentistry anymore? So I mean, for I mean, I think a couple of reasons. Like I mean, for aesthetics, you know, most people these days don't want silver fillings. Let's just okay. Say. We live in a society that's concerned about you know, right? You know, certain things. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's not. It's kind of you know, it's, it's passe. We don't do that anymore. Right. Um. Though I mean. To be honest, there's nothing wrong with silver fillings. I know that really? there's like been some controversy about silver fillings, but it's uh-huh. it's something that 
is approved by the FDA. Okay. Um, and so in some scenarios, we still use them. Like, so for example, um, we also treat, you know, special needs children. And, uh-huh. in, and in scenarios where they are um, heavy bruxers or grinders, you know, they have oh. some type of habits where they kind of grind their teeth. Mm-hmm. Um, if we have to take them into the OR, oftentimes we will restore the teeth with, with silver fillings um, because believe it or not, that silver fillings are pretty, pretty durable. Right. Um, in, in most cases. I mean, <clears throat> and with it, there can be a number of reasons why a filling comes out. It could be that, you know, the actual preparation for that filling is too shallow. Okay. Or it could be that new decay is starting underneath that filling. Mm. Um, so there's there's plenty of reasons why that could happen. Um, but even though, you know, it's not something that um, is promoted as much, we certainly still use it in the dental community. I didn't realize you guys were still using I had no idea. Because I was told because, well, I think I honestly, now that I'm thinking about it, I think my dentist was saying to me, she was removing my fillings, the ones that I had that were... Um, the metal fillings because I have MS. It does that is that is that something that is happening for my, my is it just for autoimmune issues or is it just like other chronic health concerns? So it could be. It could be. To be honest, I haven't I haven't had to treat any patients with um with MS. So I'm I don't I don't necessarily know what the literature says about okay. it, to be very honest. Right. Um but I know like uh for example, and I don't want to misspeak, but I believe that, you know, some of the data shows that it's best if you're going to use silver fillings, it's best if it's used after the age of five or six. Okay. Um, and uh, there's reasons for that. It's documented um, in the research. Um, but essentially, you know, I feel like these days, um, Patients are more likely to want a white filling at the end of the day. Yeah. That's they want a white it. filling. Period. Yeah. Um, and there are not many dentists because also there's a there's a disposal process for amalgam or silver oh. fillings. Okay. Um, and in many dental offices, they don't necessarily want to deal with that. Mm. And so it's easier to just not really have that as part of your process. Okay. Um, so I don't know if that really answers your question. But no, it, it did. No, it did. <laughs> then I'm also thinking because I mean now I don't have any silver fillings. I have uh, no. What is this called now? The new composites. Composite. Yes, yeah. I, I do remember. So the composites, that actual material, can you dispose of that in any kind of way or no? It's different. It's it's more of a a resin, which is like I guess comparable to like a plastic type of material. It's oh. it's just different. Okay. Um. So it doesn't require the same. It just doesn't. It doesn't behave any in in any way similarly to a silver filling at okay. all. It's completely different. Okay. Um, so there's no disposal process for that. There okay. doesn't need to be. I think with amalgam, the reason why the FDA has that stuff in place because you know because it does. Uh, there is a certain amount of I believe mercury, um, and mm-hmm. you can't just like put that in the sink. You know, right. into the water supply. Right. So I think that that's why there's a disposable disposal process for it. Yeah. Interesting. I had no idea. I mean, clearly. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, I mean this why, is why, all... why would I know these things? Like, like, <laughs> it's so ra- I'm so random. It's, well, it's a random thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I mean, but the thing is, like, I just thought based off what my dentist was telling me, she's like, yeah, you probably should get everything removed because you're MS. And I was like, okay, maybe that is a thing. I don't know. I have not seen, I mean, to be honest, I have not seen anything in the literature about Mm -hmm. autoimmune diseases and silver fillings, but I can tell you the dental community, we have a lot of work to do when it comes to randomized control clinical trials and stuff. Uh Um, You know, there's more information out in the world about, you know, fluoride things of that nature. Right. Um, but I, I think that, you know, the whole amalgam controversy or x-ray controversy or fluoride right. controversy, I think what I, I would tell any individual who's interested in making informed decisions about that is to do your research and to find some really good 
um, uh, papers, you know, um, that have, that are, that are documenting, you know, what's good and what's bad about any of those things. Any of those things. Yeah. Cause I mean, I, I have to admit I was on the fluoride train. I was like, fluoride free toothpaste. (laughs) (laughs) Like seriously, I mean, and it's so ingrained in me now that I still look for fluoride free toothpaste Mm -hmm. unless this is one thing with some of the fluoride free toothpaste is toothpaste for me mm-hmm. is that sometimes it causes my teeth to be really sensitive. Oh, okay. And then I, then re- I'll, I'll change up and I'll use like a Sensodyne for a while until my teeth are like not on the okay. straight bus. Okay. But then I go back to the floor. I freak. Cause I'm mm-hmm. for some reason in my head, I'm like, no, yeah. I can't have all this fluoride. And then even when I go to the dentist and get my cleaning, mm-hmm. I freak out. They're like, do you want the fluoride? I'm like, no. And I feel like I'm, I feel all good. Like oh, I said, no. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, is that like, it should, should, or is that just like an informed decision on my own that I need to just take? That's what I, I you know, it's not, you know, I, I try as a provider not to get in debates with patients about the things that they believe because they have their reasons or things right. they, you know, and I'm not here to change anybody's mind. What I am right. here to do is to provide you with additional information. Right. Um, so one of the biggest things I think that had, you know, that was part of the fluoride controversy is that it was, um, you know, I think, you know, there was something out there that, you know, it, it was causing neurotoxicity or something like yes. that. Well, the truth of the matter is based on the research that that's out there, that is not true. That has been okay. debunked. Um, and if we look at the history of fluoride in this country, the communities where, um, we, we, we actually implemented it and we fluoridated the water, we saw a 50% reduction in caries in those communities or cavities in those communities. And so it's doing what it's supposed to do. Um, and it's regulated. Uh, you know, I don't want to be, you know, flippant about, you know, that, oh, you know, it's just whatever it's regulated. And there's a certain amount that's, that's safe, you know, to that's, that's in the water. Right. Um, and for people who are cavity prone, like myself included, I, I would say it, you know, it really is, I wouldn't feel comfortable not using a fluoridated toothpaste just okay. because of my proclivities, you know, right. I'm just cavity prone. Right. Um, and, you know, that's what I have to say about it. Because, you know, with these things, you can go back and forth. Right, exactly. And so I probably should be using more. I mean, right now I'm using fluoride based because of the sensitive situation in my teeth. Mm-hmm. Um, but then this is another thing I heard. And I don't know, maybe this is another thing that needs to be debunked. So on the back of a toothpaste um, container, mm-hmm. you know the colors? You know what I'm talking about? So like, like a red, mm-hmm. a blue. Do you know anything about that? So someone was saying to me that you can determine like the toxicity or how safe that toothpaste is based off those colors that are on the back. So like you'll see like a blue mm-hmm. little rectangle at the mm-hmm. end of the tube or mm-hmm. a blue and a red or do you know anything about this? I could be wrong, but I thought that had to do with the... Uh, um the manufacturing of the toothpaste. I didn't think that had anything to do with, I, I, you know, and that's, that's funny. That's something that I, I, it's vague in my mind that I feel like we talked about in dental school. Uh-huh. Um, but I don't, I don't think that had anything to do with, um, <laughs> any type of detriment. No. Girl, I'm out here looking at labels. I'm like, that's red. Nope. Nope. <laughs> curious so now i'm gonna go back and look that up okay and i'm gonna you know later i'll shoot you an email and be like yeah send me because i was like i literally what i would look at them like yeah i probably shouldn't use that i heard and this is the thing like alicia why don't you go and reset just taking stuff face value god bless you you know what i listen i understand i understand you know in this because in this world and it, it seems more so now it wasn't so much when we were kids Mm-hmm. Like we have to be concerned with how our food is made yes. or manufactured or processed, whatever, because there's been so many, there's, there's so much more disease, right? Right. 
Right. And we're finding out there are a lot of things that are environmental that are affecting, you know, our health in general. And so I understand the hesitancy around using certain things. I mean, right. in, my, in my own life, I mean, I'm plant-based because I certainly believe that the way the meat process in, in this country is not doing it. It's, it's, exactly. It's not, it's not good for you. Um, so everybody has, you know, I'm, I think concerns around. So I, I don't want to ever make anyone feel like what they think or what they believe doesn't matter because it's not true. Right. Um, the only thing I say is just get yourself informed. There's so much information out there. Right. Um, one of the <clears throat> the places um, that I often go to is PubMed yeah. um, or Medline. And you can mm -hmm. do those searches and you can you can find some really good papers. The only thing that I encourage people to to do is to know the kind of paper that you're reading, the research paper. Yeah. Um, that you need to be looking at systematic reviews or um, meta-analysis um, or randomized uh, control trials. Because those, right. are, those are the ones that are um, highly evidence-based. Right. If you're just looking at a case report of somebody who in Idaho who decided that fluoride right. was going to kill you, <laughs> you, you, you might want to be like, okay, let me go compare that with something else. Exactly. That's been uh, backed by science. So that's, that's my advice, you know? No, that's awesome. Cause I, like I said, I'm out here listening to someone like, oh girl, and not even take, you would think and it's, <laughs> it, it, it's sad to even say, it cause it's like, I'm, I, you know, I'm in the medical field and I'm still out here like, oh, maybe I, well, the maybe is, they were right. Maybe they were right. So what's our greatest enemy time, right? Right. So like, and if someone tells you, you know, if you walk on the right side of the street, it's likely you're going to get hit by a car. Right. If you don't have time to figure out what what's going on on the right side, you're just not going to walk over there. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's well, true. Walk on the left side. You know what I mean? So, so true. I get it. I get it. Life is, you know, life. You know, always exactly. No, it's, it's crazy that I, I was actually thinking that, Maybe I should stick with the fluoride because I, I'm wondering if I'm causing more damage to my teeth because of that sensitivity. You like I don't know, right? So is it is it is it a is it a charcoal based uh, toothpaste that you're using? One, so girl, I go between. So I, sometimes I feel I'll see my teeth I'm like, oh, you have to, girl, these teeth are looking really yellow. So then I'll like go and start using some charcoal, mm -hmm. and then I'll switch it up to another one. That's not um, that's fluoride free as well. Mm -hmm. Both of those actual toothpastes, they still they both create sensitivity. Even they're fluoride sensitivity. free. Yeah. Uh oh. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're good now. You're good. Okay. <laughs> yeah, like they, cause, they cause sensitivity with my in my teeth. Mm -hmm. um, and then and then I go back to the fluoride based. Well, it's also I'm I'm using something that's like a Sensodyne. So mm -hmm. I mean, that's another thing too, like using Sensodyne all the time. That, that should, I sh I don't know. Like, is that something that would be encouraged or not? Uh, yeah. I mean, so there's some people who just have sensitive teeth, especially like, just, you know, people with gum disease, like yeah. disease. sometimes their teeth are just super sensitive. So they, they're using Sensodyne all the time. Right. I, I sometimes use it, you know, after I've had my teeth whitened, I know. And, you know, I'm one of those people. I whiten, you know, I, I do it occasionally. I um, want to, but I'm nervous. So I encourage you to not do it in the winter months. Oh, yes. Smart. Smart. <laughs> so I usually, if I'm going to do it, I usually do it in like the spring or summer. Okay. Like late spring when it's warmer. Um, and what I try to do and what I tell patients to do is like two weeks before use Sensodyne. Okay. To get it, make sure that you know if you have any sensitivity that the Sensodyne is going to kind of try to help it, you right? Know, get a little better, and then I will go and get my teeth whitened and be miserable for a month, and then it goes away. <laughs> but <laughs> right, she's like, life sucks right now, but yeah, what it is, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, but as far as like the charcoal thing is, like my mom uses like a uh, charcoal, you know from time to time because it does, you know, help your teeth to be more white. Okay. Um, but I think that the, um, the granules, you know, cause it's not like, um, what I'm trying to say is the consistency of the toothpaste. I do believe can, um, it can be uh, rough against your teeth and cause okay. sensitivity. 
Because um, okay. I think what you have to remember is that your teeth has have layers, right? You know, yeah. it has you know several layers, and I think that um, any long term use of something um, that is as abrasive—that's the term I'm looking for—could right. um, potentially you know cause some sensitivity there. Okay, because and it's yeah. it's weird because then like me going back and forth. I don't know. I, I'm just like, I'm hoping this is working. I, my dentist has never said, and that's another thing. See, I'm, I'm a bad patient. I, I have never revealed that to my, yeah. to my dentist. Yeah. And I mean, I think you'll, I mean, my thing is I, if, if it was, if, if, if it was me and I'm cavity prone, I would use a fluoridated toothpaste. Okay. Just full stop. You know? Yeah. Um, if, you know, if you're concerned about, you know, your teeth being white and you don't necessarily want to go the, route of having your teeth whitened at the dentist um mm -hmm. you want to periodically use charcoal that's fine too right i i think i just encourage patients to just kind of be aware right. of what your body is sensitive to and if it's really causing you some type of problem you probably just want to stop okay. you know um but yeah i'm i'm all about the fluoride just because i girl i probably have a cavity right now i don't know Listen, <laughs> and I know I do too. And I think my dentist was like, "Girl, I'm not even gonna do it to you this time." She's like, "I'm just keep watching it." And I, so that's another thing too. This whole watching thing—is it better to just get it filled, or or should, or, so, or is watching, yeah, a thing? So, um, when you hear a dentist say, "Let's let's watch it," it means that it's pretty small. Okay. It's probably what we call an incipient lesion that, remember okay. how we talked about the layers of the teeth? Right. That it's only probably into the first layer, maybe just a little bit, right? And we can see that on the x-ray. Right. Um, and if you have good habits, like you're brushing, you're flossing, um, and that disease process isn't like out of control and active okay. and getting, getting worse. Right. We'll, see, we'll watch it because what we'll do, you come back in six months or you come back in a year, we'll take another picture, see where it's at, compare. Right. And if it looks the same, then you're golden. So I have a couple of areas like that too, like in my okay. where, you know, we're watching them because they're not getting any bigger. But I believe they're not getting any bigger because I floss like crazy and okay. I use a, a fluoridated toothpaste. Okay. Um, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. And then also sometimes I use like a rinse, like ACT. Act is really okay. good, um, especially if you're kind of cavity prone like me. Okay. Yeah. Now, there's no such thing as like your tooth like repairing itself, right? Once it's at the early stages, or yeah, no, once once it's there, it's there, right? So this is what I'll say about that. <laughs> you know, because I mean, people come and they are like, "Oh, I'm using this clover oil, and I heard that," yeah. and I'm like, "Sis." No. Um, but that's just what I believe as a provider. <laughs> no. Um, but but I do think there has been and I and I actually went to a conference once and I had there was a dentist who showed um some really tiny lesions um that were uh present in a child that he was treating. Uh -huh. Um and you know I guess you know there was a change in the oral habits and, um, you know, use of fluoride and, you know, the, the next set of x-rays, however long he showed down the road, you know, they looked like they were smaller, I guess. Right. But I, okay. I just, because oral health is so driven by behavior. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, especially like, you know, I, I just think that it's it's not always realistic to think that we could we could actually reverse the cavity, like how, right. like yeah. you know, um, especially if the d disease process is active, like yeah. if that that thing is already to the point where it's keeping you up at night, it's probably not reversible. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Okay. So. No, because I, I was thinking maybe if I really start. Using mouthwash, maybe this this thing when I go back it'll be better. I've not been using mouthwash. Listen, serious, I haven't been doing any of that. But listen, I don't expect my cavities to go away. What I'm hoping is that they just stay as they are. Okay, right? I'm okay. just hoping that they that it's everything is status quo, meaning that the disease process is is kind of static. It's like it's not yeah. getting, it's not getting worse. Okay, right? 
And so I think for me, I, that's what I believe the fluoride and the flossing is doing for me is like keeping things status quo. Okay. Yeah. Well, Liz, this is giving us so much awesome information. Nah. Thanks. Thank you. I don't know everything. I'm certainly, I'm not going to be one of those dental providers like, well, yes. I don't. I don't. I don't. But I hope I can point you in the direction of where you can get information. No, I think this is great. And I, um, well, one, I'm just glad to talk to you. I feel like we haven't talked in forever. First of all, I didn't even know you were in Boston. Let's start there. I was like, I, I thought you were in, like, in upstate New York somewhere. Were you in I, was, I was. Oh, okay. Okay. I was, and then I was in D.C., and then I came here. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I love I love that area. I love Boston. Yeah. I really like, um. oh, wow, what's the area? The Cambridge area? Yes. Yeah. Fall oh, is beautiful. Nice. You know, where, you know Harvard and yes. MIT and all those schools. Yeah. It is so, oh, such a beautiful, like, area. And, like, the energy. I like going, uh, speaking of Halloween, I like going to Salem. Oh. The, I don't, the have you been there? I have not. I have not. It is, it's interesting. Like, it's a really interesting area. They have, like, a whole museum. Oh, really? give you, like, the whole backstory of the Salem witch trials. And okay. how it really was, it wasn't even what, um, like, so, I, and I could be completely messing this up. Let's be serious. But, like, this was all based off one girl's, she told a lie. And it just spiraled out of control where people were like, you're a witch, you're a witch. And they were just doing all these crazy things to people. You have to go. It's funny because in the museum, they have this whole reenactment, but it's not actors. (laughs) They're like these like mechanical caricatures that are like, (laughs) it's everything. It's like Chuck E. Cheese. Oh no! Like, yeah, it's intense. Um, I'll, I'll have to check it out. That's one of the things I said that I was going to do when I, you know, because you want to kind of know everything that's going on in the area. So. Right, and I mean, I probably not now. It's probably intense right now. People are probably living their best Halloween lives down there. Yes, like, for serious. Yes, yes. Yeah, but no, it's an interesting area, and I'm just like, oh wow, this is how this all went down. This is this is a lot, but also. It talk it it just explains the evolution of just humans mm-hmm. and like how and just basically what I was just saying now like you just take somebody's word and you're not even look you're not even investigating for oh that's what she said okay let let's get let's yeah. take it to the stake like you know what I'm saying yeah. like just really <laughs> invest <laughs> right 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 which is low key scary you right know like because right. a lot of that is happening now like in, yeah. and. In real life, it's just like, yeah. oh, in real time, people are just taking stuff at face value and not looking beyond yeah. anything. Like, yep, that's fact. That's what so-and-so said. And I'm not even going beyond that, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. It's insane. But yeah, no, Salem, it's intense. It's intense. Yeah. And like the different houses that are down there. I love history. I oh. Well, Boston is good for that. I mean, yes. there's, there's a ton of history here. I mean, you know, from Plymouth, yeah, I've been down to Plymouth a few times, and um, even Martha's Vineyard. There's a lot of history there as well, okay. um, especially in terms of um, like I don't know. Do you remember that movie, The Inkwell? I haven't seen it, but like I know it. of it, but I haven't seen it. But I didn't know that there was like a there was like a black community in um, in Martha's Vineyard back in the day, I believe and I it. think that that name, The Inkwell kind of was a moniker that white people gave it because um I guess down on the beaches where all the black people were hanging out they call it the inkwell wow um and I think that that movie is loosely based on that scenario in uh, Martha's Vineyard you know it's so interesting that you bring that up because my wife was from Southampton mm-hmm. right uh-huh. and first of all let's be serious like I didn't know that black people were in the Hampton like <laughs> Okay, so when we met, you know, she's like, oh, yeah, I'm from Southampton. Mm-hmm. But it didn't register to me that it was the actual, it was actually a, actual uh, Hampton. So when I first went out there, I was like, what, sis? And I was like, you know, I'm driving through and I'm seeing it. But yeah. I realized, oh, there are other neighborhoods and areas mm-hmm. that aren't so like posh and, and not that that's any there's nothing bad but but this is where actual real people live how about right that? Yeah. right right um and to see 
where her family grew up. I mean, like literally steps from the beach. Mm-hmm. I, get to literally, I was like, what kind of life is this? Like, why did, <laughs> why, how did we end up in Indiana? Like, I didn't even talk to my aunts. Like, listen, right. what, what was the voyage like? I like, couldn't have brought it up to some ocean. Like, like, what are we doing here? But anyway. Right, right. Like, foolish. But anyway, so like to see where she grew up and then now to see the gentrification of that area, mm. it is so sad mm. because the people that are moving in, it's as if they're being inconvenienced by these yeah. people that have or that are basically have lived there forever. Yeah. It's yeah. like now that you've built your amazing house, now you wanted this all to be erased. It's like, no, they this is still a part of yeah. the Hamptons. Yeah. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. I think that that's that same story is happening in so many pockets of America right now. Right. You know? Right. Um, and I mean, just a lot of history, a lot of history and and you know, if we're not proactive about trying to uncover some of these stories, I think some of our history will be lost. You exactly. Know? Exactly. It was crazy because at one point um, on Indigenous People's Day, I, you know, mm-hmm. like Columbus Day, whatever, I was looking at some information. I wanted to look and like learn more information about people that uh, Native people from this area, like in Riverdale, Inwood, in New York. Mm-hmm. And obviously there wasn't that much information uh, but I found some information about another group of people that were from just like New York, like this part of New York as a whole. Okay. And I just thought that was so sad because it was like these people that were actually in this particular area, their existence for the most part has been erased. Mm. You know what I'm saying? It's like, cause I was like, I, this, it would be interesting to know who actually like, who was native to this particular part of uh, New York? And it was like, wow, right. like, right. You can find like a few things here and there, but no true history. Like the people, obviously, that took it over, the Van Cortlands and mm-hmm. you know the Dykemans. Like you can find right. all the information about, right, them. right, right. But to really find out information about the actual natives, I, I, that broke my heart. So I was like, mm. wow, like I, it, they just in uh, yeah. some people's eyes, they didn't exist. Right, right. It is crazy. <sighs> I know, right? It's like, oh. Full circle. Full circle. Exactly. Full circle. Like, oh my gosh, Liz. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for thank having you. me. Yes. And everyone that's listening is probably like, what? This is a wild ride. But listen, <laughs> I was so excited just, you know, to catch up with you. And then just to get information overall about dental health. I'm glad that we went the gamut. Like, just beyond, like, the pediatric part. Because mm-hmm. I think some people don't realize like how important it is to be in that communication with their dentist. Mm-hmm. Um, because you just never know. You could, like you said, with a child, like that cardiac com- component, you would yeah. never know uh, if you didn't invest further, there could have been some potential harm with that child because yeah. she does have a cardiac history. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's so important. Aww. Yeah. I'm so <laughs> glad we did this. I know. I'm so oh glad. And, and, um, we can definitely stay in touch. And I need to come to Boston because I haven't been there in so long. Yes, of course. Seriously. I and love you, it. And you know that I make my way down to New York often. So now that we've reconnected, we need yes, to reconnect. Yes. yes. Have you been to, uh, there's a place, uh, it's called Veganhood? No. Oh, girl. Amazing. It's in Harlem. It's a restaurant called Veganhood. This is not a plug for Veganhood. I love that place. Mm-hmm. But if you're in New York, if you've never been to Veganhood, do yourself a favor. They have some of the best vegan, like Caribbean slash soul food. Oh. They have like, they have a whole, um, oh God, what is it? Like kind of like an oxtail type of situation. Listen, now you know what you're speaking my language. Exactly. Listen, <laughs> uh, every time, I don't even waver. <laughs> every time we go, I get that every time. That with the greens. Oh. And they have the best potato salad imaginable. Okay. Girl. Vegan, I'm, vegan hood. Vegan hood. All right. It's on is it Frederick Douglass in like 114. It's somewhere around there. Okay. But amazing. Love it's it. so good. It's Love good. that for us. <laughs> Aww. Thank you so much. And thank you all for listening to this episode this week. We will see you later. Thanks, Liz. Yeah, thank you. Hey, y'all. Thank you for joining me this week on this episode of the Eden Me podcast. I had such an amazing time 
catching up with my friend Elizabeth Powell. It has been too long since we have um, had the opportunity just to connect and you know, catch up with one another. So this was such an awesome time. And thank you, Liz, for the information you shared with the audience. It means so much to me, and I'm pretty sure it definitely meant a lot to those that were listening today. Please, if you've not had the opportunity to subscribe to the EDME podcast, please subscribe to the podcast. It's free, and you will be the first to know when episodes are actually um, being aired um, each week. Also, rate and review the show. If you love the show, please rate and review it. It means so much to me and actually for the show. So please rate and review. Subscribe if you haven't subscribed. Like I said, if you're going out uh, tonight for Halloween or if you've been out, please be safe. Have a good time. And I will see y'all next week. Love you. Bye.